excited that you come today, and I believe that God has something to say to you and I about hope. Our theme this weekend is Hope is Alive. Can you do this for me? I want to welcome all of the people that are joining us around the country and around the world. Today we have people joining us in San Diego, Colorado, Texas, Illinois, Arizona, Sacramento, Bahamas, Sweden. Can you welcome all the church family that's joining us in our online campus? Wow, that's so great. I like to start with something funny, and I heard the story about this atheist who was out in the woods. He was walking, and he was enjoying the trees and the river when an eight-foot grizzly came out of the woods and chased him. He's running as fast as he can, and he trips and falls, and as he does, the bear's on top of him. He draws his claws, and then suddenly, without realizing it, the atheist screams, God, save me! Everything freezes, and he hears a voice from heaven. The voice from heaven says, all these years you denied I exist, and now when you're about to die, you ask me to save you? Well, the atheist thought to himself for a second. He said, good point, God. I guess I'm not a Christian, but could you make the bear a Christian? And then suddenly everything unfreezes. To his amazement, the claw came down. The atheist breathes a sigh of relief. And then the bear puts his paws together and says, Dear Lord, bless this food that I'm about to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Just <laughs> oh. having a little fun this morning. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read a story. We're going to read a verse, actually, written by Peter, the apostle. And it tells us something about hope, that hope is alive. So I'm going to ask you all to read this with me out loud together. All of you online, will you do the same? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, let's read. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know what that tells us? Hope is alive. So I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We say, have your way in this place. Speak to our hearts. Anoint everything spoken and anoint us to receive the promise that we can have hope because hope is alive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to read to you a verse that talks about the story of Easter. If you're not familiar with the story of Easter, it's not about a bunny. It's not about an egg. It's about Jesus Christ who on Friday... He was crucified, he died, they took his body and they placed it in a tomb, they rolled a stone in front of it, and then on Sunday morning, the women were on their way to the tomb, what they didn't know is that an angel appeared, rolled away the stone, and Jesus, he rises from the grave. When the women come in, this is where we pick up on our verse in Mark, Mark chapter 16, verse 6 says this, the angel looks at the women and says, don't be alarmed. Another translation says, fear not, or don't be afraid. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Then they tell this, the women this. The angel says, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. Now, I want to stop there for a second. It's interesting because the angel, he, he identifies Peter. He's saying, listen, all the disciples need to know but you need to find Peter, and you need to make sure he knows what I've been talking about. He goes on to say, say that then Jesus said, go ahead of you. So he says, Peter, tell them that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. 
It's interesting in this passage because the angel identifies Peter. You see, I think that this story is a story telling us that hope is alive. But what we don't realize is that the disciples, especially Peter, their hope was dying. They were feeling hopeless. Anybody here ever felt hopeless? It's interesting because he tells him, listen, you need to go and you need to find Peter. Now, we know that the disciples, that their hope was dying because their own words stated that. There were two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus on that Sunday. Jesus appeared to them. This is another story about the resurrection. And when he walks up to them, he disguises who he is. He walks up to them and he says, what are you talking about? Why are you so sad? And they respond by saying, we're sad because our hope was up that Jesus was the one to save Israel, but that didn't happen. So what are they saying? They're saying, our hopes are dashed. We're feeling hopeless. We feel like our hope is dying because Jesus died on Good Friday. Maybe today you're here and you're feeling hopeless, like the disciples did that weekend. Maybe you're feeling hopeless because you thought your marriage was going to make it, but it didn't. Maybe you're feeling hopeless because you wanted to get a degree, but it seems like something always keeps coming up and stopping you from finishing. Maybe you're feeling hopeless because you want that promotion that just seems to keep passing you by. Or maybe you're feeling hopeless today because you found yourself still addicted to the same thing that you've been struggling with for years. Well, today, if you're feeling hopeless, I want to let you know something, and that is that this is the season where hope is alive. You know, you can exist for weeks without food, and you can exist for days without water, and you can exist for seconds without air, but you can't really live without hope. So here's the point. You need hope to cope. Come on, look at somebody and say, you need hope to cope. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So today, I want to do is I want to talk to you about this story and give you two things that the angel told that, that these women they needed to tell Peter. And today, I believe God is going to get your hope off life support. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So I want to give you point number one. One of the things the angel says that Peter needs to hear, it's simply this. Write this down. Hope is alive because of the cross. Hope is alive because of the cross. Let's read it. You go to Mark chapter 16. The angel says you need to go find the disciples, but you need to find Peter. He's feeling hopeless right now, and you need to remind him something. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. You see, Peter was feeling hopeless. Maybe you're feeling hopeless. It's easy for our hope to die. Can I tell you one way that our hope dies? One way that our hope dies is this. Hope can die from disappointment. I believe that Peter's hope was dying because he was disappointed. Now, what was he disappointed about? Well, I can tell you one thing he was disappointed in. He was disappointed in God. God, what were you doing? You let your son die. I thought Jesus was going to be the one, the Messiah. God, what have you done? How could you let this happen? And just like Peter, there are people here, people joining us online, and your hope is shattered because you're disappointed in God. You know who he else was disappointed in? He wasn't just disappointed in God. He was disappointed in himself. Why? Because he denied Jesus. I remember he's the one that looked at Jesus and said, hey, though everybody else leaves you, I never will. Jesus, I got your back. That's what he said. 
And Jesus said, no, you're not going to have my back. In fact, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And that's exactly what happened. Peter denied Jesus, turned his back, and betrayed Jesus. And you know that Peter in this moment is not just disappointed in God, but he's disappointed in himself, saying, why did I let that happen? You know, you can show up at church, and we show up at church, and we're disappointed, but as soon as we get here, we drive up, and we put on the face, right? We get out of the car, and people are coming, and we're like... And they come up, right? And they're like, hey, how you doing? And we're, we're used to, we know what to do. And we're like, well, praise God, bless the Lord, brother. Jesus is risen indeed. <laughs> but what's really going on inside is, God, how could you let my dad get cancer? God, how come I went through that divorce? Or maybe it's not disappointment in God, but it's like, how come we're in debt again? I promised that that would never happen. Now here we are, we can't pay our bills. You see, all of us have had moments where we failed God and we failed ourselves and we feel so disappointed. But that's the message that the angel said to these women to tell Peter, which was, hey, when you're feeling hopeless, when you feel disappointed, remember something. Jesus was crucified. Remember the cross. Why do we need to remember the cross? Why does he say that's important? Well, let me tell you why you need to remember the cross. Here's why. Because how many know we all make mistakes? Come on, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. Come on. We all do things wrong. In fact, the Bible says it this way. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And here's the sad thing. When you sin, here's what it means. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So one day eternal death, not physical death, but eternal death is going to come and knock on your door because of your sin. You're not going to go to heaven. You're going to miss out on what God has for you because the wages of sin is death. But here's why Easter is so exciting. Here's why hope is alive because of the cross of Jesus. You see the cross, it's where Jesus climbed up and shed his blood. You see, in the Old Testament, when you sinned, they would take a lamb and they would sacrifice the lamb and the blood that was shed covered and forgave the sins of the people for a year. When Jesus, who was called the Lamb of God, climbed up on the cross and his blood was shed, he paid the price, the penalty for your sin so that you could be forgiven. And what Jesus was, being, was telling Peter on that day when he felt so hopeless and so bad because he had failed and he'd done wrong, Jesus said, hey, I know you're feeling hopeless, but remember something. I got on the cross, and here's what it means, Peter. You are forgiven. Anybody thankful for forgiveness? But not only did he say you're forgiven, here's the other part of it. Not only are our sins forgiven because of the cross, it means that our sins are gone. Let me explain it this way. You know, I really feel like that I could be a good lawyer. You know, lawyers, they, if, they have, if they go to trial, they have to speak publicly, and I speak publicly every weekend, so I'm thinking, I could be a good lawyer. I mean, I feel like I could badger a witness on the stand. I feel like I could do a sidebar with a judge. I could definitely be held in contempt of court. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I could do it all. I'm going to tell you why I think that I could be a good lawyer, because you might feel the same way, because I've seen a thousand episodes of Law and Order. Come on, you can't watch TV without seeing an episode of Law and Order. 
And you know, when you watch one of those shows, before long, you're like, I could do that. I know what to do. I could be a detective. I could be a lawyer. And you know what happens. There's a courtroom. There's a judge. Now, some of you are saying, what does this have to do with anything? Why are you talking about the cross and why are you talking about a lawyer? Well, because one day, all of us are going to stand before the judge. The judgment seat of God. And we're going to be declared guilty or innocent. That's going to happen one day. And the question is, are you going to be declared innocent or guilty? And here's what you need to know. There's going to be a prosecutor that's going to try to take you down. He's got a first name. It's not Matlock for some of you older people. I dated myself right there. His name is Lucifer. And the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. And when the time comes for your sentencing, for you to be declared guilty or innocent, he's going to say, Judge, before you make that decision, I, I brought some evidence with me. I got my files with me right here. I've been, I've been keeping track. Pastor Chip over there, I've been keeping track of all his sins. He's got a lot of them. He's been a busy boy. So I brought him. I mean, he was 15 when he was 17. When he was 18. Oh, wow, that was a bad period of life. And so, so judge, I, I've got the evidence. It's right here, and I'm going to show you. Let's go back to when he was 15. I remember when he was 15 and what he did and how he acted towards that other person. The evidence, it's right. Wait a minute. What, what happened to the evidence? I thought there was some evidence. Let me go to when he was 17. When he was 17, there definitely was some evidence. Because I kept track. I've been keeping track all these years. But, but wait, wait a minute. Where, where's the, the evidence? The, I don't see the evidence. And as he begins to look through his files and he can't find anything, Jesus, the one who's defending you, stands up and says, the cross, judge, is the final word. You see, the reason that hope is alive, it's not just that you're forgiven. It means that your sins have been erased. There is no record of wrong. You're, it's been expunged. The evidence has been destroyed. You're forgiven and your sins are gone. You see, that's what he was saying to Peter. Because Peter was sitting there and he was saying, I betrayed him. I sinned. I've got no hope. The angel said, go tell him about the cross. Remind him about the cross. And let him know that he's forgiven. But not only is he forgiven, his sins are gone. In fact, the Bible says that God throws your sin away so far that it's as far as the east is from the west. And he says, I will remember your sins no more. So I have a question for you. Here's your, here's your question. Why do you keep remembering what God has chosen to forget? It's time for all of us to listen to the great prophetess of Disney, Elsa. <laughs> and let it go. Because it's gone. He's destroyed the evidence. You're forgiven and the evidence is gone. Hope is alive because of the cross. Somebody say amen. I was right there in that verse. He said, tell him. But that was not the only thing he told him to say. Here's the other thing. He said, when you see him, don't just tell him about the cross, but you need to remember that hope is alive because of the tomb. Hope is alive because of the tomb. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. 
Mark 16 says, you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. You need to remind him about the cross, yes. But you need to remind him about the tomb, that the tomb is empty and that Jesus is alive. Because here's the thing, not only is Peter feeling bad because he did something wrong and he needs to know he can be forgiven, he also feels this, he feels like it's too late for him. And there are people here that you feel like it's too late for you. Too late for your business, too late for your calling. You've made too many mistakes. You see, our hope can die from disappointment. Can I tell you another way that hope dies? Hope can die from delays. What do you mean by hope can die from delays, Pastor Jerry? Well, let's explain it this way. There's another story of a death and resurrection, and it's about a man by the name of Lazarus, who was Jesus' good friend. He got sick, and when he got sick, his, his sisters, Mary and Martha, who were friends of Jesus, sent a note to Jesus and said, Jesus, you need to come because your friend Lazarus is really sick. You need to heal him. And the Bible says in the story that Jesus waited several days. And because he waited, by the time he finally got back, Lazarus was dead and in the tomb. And it's interesting because Mary and Martha both said the same thing to Jesus. And it's something that I think all of us have said. It's a reason why a lot of us feel hopeless at times. You ready to see what it is? It's in John, John eleven twenty one. 21. Here's what they said. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. How many of us, our hope is dying because we say, God, where were you? If you would have been here, my family wouldn't be torn apart. If you would have been here, I wouldn't have lost my business. You see, the delays can cause our hope to die. Let me know that when you're in church, that, uh, you know, I grew up in church. I'm a PK. Some of you are like, what's a PK? Well, it's not a pessimist kid. It's a, it's a preacher's kid. And I grew up in church as a preacher's kid. And how many know in church there's like church phrases? Everybody knows them. They don't realize it. You just learn them. And they, they're there. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll fit, start it. You finish. Ready? Here's one of those phrases. Let go and. Let go. See, you know them. You didn't even know you knew him. Here's another one. One of those church phrases is, God is never late. He's always right on time. I mean, know that sometimes it doesn't feel like God's right on time. In fact, if anything, it feels like he's really late. Like, where are you? If you had been here, I wouldn't have died. You know, how many know that even men and women have a different understanding of time? I was talking, you know, if my wife is getting ready and, and I walk up and I say, hey, babe, you ready? And she says, give me five. How many know to a man that means five minutes? How many know to a woman it means something totally else? It could mean five hours. It could mean five days. It could mean five more times of saying, give me five. And you know what? Sometimes we see God's timing. And because we don't understand his timing, we start to say, it's too late. Because there's been times where someone's been getting ready in my house, and it was so late, I'm like, let's not even go, it's too late. How many times have you and I started to lose our hope because we've looked at the situation and we've said, God, where were you? It's too late. Peter was thinking, it's too late for me. I had plans. I was supposed to be by the side of Jesus. I was supposed to be helping the kingdom. I was supposed to be helping God's uh, kingdom and, and being a part of what God was doing. And now that's all gone. 
I know that he can forgive me. I mean, if I was there when he forgave the woman who was caught in the midst of adultery, in the act, and they brought her out, and they were going to stone her, and Jesus forgave her. And if Jesus can forgive her, well, then he can forgive me. But even though I'm forgiven, it's too late for me. I'll never do what I was supposed to do. I'll never live out my destiny. I'll never fulfill the things that are in my heart to do. It's too late for me. But what I love about this story is that the angel says, go tell Peter to remember that Jesus didn't just die on the cross, but that he rose from the grave. And when he rose from the grave, that he's going to meet you at the Sea of Galilee. And if you read the story, that happened. They end up meeting on the shore of Galilee. And when Peter sees Jesus, he comes to Jesus. And then Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. He asks him a second time, do you love me, Peter? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And then he asks him a third time, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, I love you. Isn't it interesting that he asked him three times, which is the same number of the times he betrayed him, almost as if he was expunging his record. He was erasing the evidence. But then he says something after he asks him, do you love me? And we, we hear this and we just move on and we don't realize the power of it. Because here's what he said. He said, do you love me? Yes. And then he said, okay, guess what, Peter? Then it's time for you to do this. The thing you thought you couldn't do, the destiny that, thought you was, that you thought was dead, you thought it was too late for you, feed my sheep. I'm giving you a second chance, Peter. Now, let me stop there and say, how many love second chances? How many, let me ask this question. How many of you play golf? Do we have any golfers in the house? All right, if you have a few. Um, I'll never forget when I first started playing golf, and I'm a competitive guy, and my thought is if, if there's a chance to win, why choose anything else? <laughs> and so I'm playing with my friends, and we, we start to play, and, and I'm kind of new in it, and we're pretty close. It's coming to the end, and I get up to hit my drive, and I hit my drive, and it goes out of bounds, and now my score is all messed up, and I'm so frustrated because I was, I was so close to winning, and then a miracle happened. Because someone that was standing in the group with us said, oh, Jared, just take a mulligan. How many of you ever had one of those Scooby-Doo moments? Huh? Raggy? <laughs> I'm like, what's a mulligan? He goes, you just take another ball and hit a new one. The first one doesn't count. So I took the ball, hit another shot right in the middle of the fairway, and I think at the end I won. I think I won. I think that's what happened. <laughs> the point was is that I got a second chance. Hope is alive because of the tomb, and the tomb means you get a mulligan. The tomb means that your destiny hasn't been written already. Easter means that there's a second chance for you. You see, your waiting season doesn't have to be a wasted season. God's delays are not God's denials. Never put a period where God has put a comma. You need to know that Easter means that there's a second chance, a new beginning. It's still possible for you. You get a mulligan. He died. He rose again. Hope is alive because of the tomb. Somebody say amen. amen. So maybe you're here and you feel like it's too late for you. Maybe you feel like that you're never going to see your destiny fulfilled. Guess what? I want to read to you now the verse that we read at the beginning. 
And we read it the first time, we didn't realize the power of what we were reading. Because what we read, it's in 1 Peter, was written by Peter, the apostle. And he wrote this after he'd been forgiven and the evidence destroyed. He wrote it after he'd been given a second chance and been relaunched into, into ministry again. Now look at the power of what he wrote. And when he wrote, he talked about hope. He said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, praise God. Hallelujah. Why? In his great mercy, he has given us another chance. In his great mercy, he's given us a mulligan. In his great mercy, he has given us forgiveness and wiped away the evidence. But not only that, he's given us a second chance into a living hope. Hope is alive through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter heard the message and he realized that his life was not over. Your life is not over. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are before you. We can celebrate because hope is alive. Amen? I'll end with this story. I heard about this father and son that were driving down the road. One of the windows were rolled down and suddenly a bee flies in. The bee's buzzing all over and the son freaks out and panics because he's deathly allergic to bee stings. The dad sees the fear on his son's face and he reaches out and he grabs the bee in his hand. His name was Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think that's the way it goes, but... Pulled it back, said, wax on. <laughs> and then to, his, to the amazement of his son, he opens his hand and the bee flies around again. And the son starts to freak out. And the dad looks at his son and he says, son, don't be afraid. And he puts his hand in front of his son. He said, because he stung me and the stingers in my hand. So he can't hurt you anymore. Why is there hope? Because this Bible tells us, O oh death, where is your sting? O oh grave, where is your victory? The prosecutor, he doesn't have any evidence because of the cross. The cross is the final word. The devil can't harm you, he can't get to you because God has taken away the sting of death hope is alive so the question today I want to ask is this what needs to die in your life so that hope can live maybe today God wants to let disappointment die maybe he wants that anger at God because of his waiting season maybe that needs to die what needs to die? See, Christ had to die so that hope could live. I want you to close your eyes all across the room, all to join us online. Maybe you're here today, and you're not sure what's going to happen when you stand before the judge. You're not sure if you're going to be declared innocent. I want to tell you something. Today, you can leave knowing that you're forgiven. You can leave with the evidence destroyed. You can leave with your record expunged. 
The way you do that is you have to retain your lawyer, your advocate. His name is Jesus. How do you retain him? You retain him by sitting down and writing out your confessional. You're going to confess to your sin. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And so today when I count to three, if you're here and you want to be forgiven and you want your record um, deleted and erased, when I say three, you're going to lift your hand. And by lifting your hand, you're saying, I confess I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And then secondly, we're going to pray a prayer. And the Bible says that if you pray, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. You're going to retain your lawyer, your advocate today. Now, maybe you're here and you've never done that. I'm talking to you. Or maybe you're here and you have done that. Or maybe you're online and you've done that. And you need to recommit yourself. Why not on Easter make sure that you're forgiven and the evidence has been erased? So are you ready when I count to three? This is your moment. You didn't show up to this service just by accident. You didn't show up to this service just to have some fun with your family and see some animals. You showed up because God brought you here so that he could give you the good news that you can be forgiven and the evidence can be erased. So are you ready? This is your moment. I'm going to count to three right now. One, you can be forgiven. Two, the evidence can be erased. When I say three, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. This is the best decision you'll ever make right now. When I say three, lift your hands. First time in recommitments. Three, boom, all across the room. Lift your hand, lift your hand, lift your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty-three, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty, forty-one, forty-two, forty-three, forty-four, forty-five, forty-six, forty-seven. I'm just making sure everybody. Counted. 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 100, 1, 2, 3. Come on, give Jesus a praise. A hundred people.